0: Chapter Thirty Seven of Policy and Passion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Policy and Passion by Rosa Campbell Praed. Chapter Thirty Seven Sinister Omens. Upon the morning after Honoria's midnight adventure, the Premier received the following letter Adams Hotel south leichardt's town my friend it is surely impossible that you could have been aware yesterday that my husband was on his way down from the north this afternoon i returned home suspecting nothing and found him with a letter you had sent me in his hand were you mad to write what has compromised me so utterly yet i am almost glad that the farce has ended and that now i may fling off my legalized degradation and face the world defiantly tonight i have left my husband's house for ever i have told no one where i have gone i wish for a little while at least to be at peace i have private rooms in this quiet inn where the landlady was formerly a servant of my father's so that i am not likely to be annoyed by impertinent observation do not come to me to-morrow or the next day on the third day i will see you adieu c v longleat eagerly read the letter to receive which was indeed a relief after the tortures of anxiety he had been enduring then passionately pressed the flimsy paper to his lips he had passed a wakeful night spent in alternately pacing the floor of his study in vain efforts at composition and in brooding over the wood-fire which as he bent forward now cast fitful gleams upon his massive face haggard with watching and suspense he had exercised sufficient self-control to refrain from crossing the water and reconnoitring the cottage at emu point but imagination picturing mrs valiancy the victim of her husband's jealous fury goaded his longing and compassion into a fierce rage difficult to support in this state of forced inaction it is impossible to credit longleat with the possession of many moral and religious scruples nevertheless his hidden sin had haunted him for months like a condemning spirit at first his compunction had chiefly arisen from a sense of contamination in the connection between mrs valiancy and his daughter but as gradually his passion gained the mastery over his purer instincts his consciousness of wrong intent lessened and his love for honoria became slowly numbed by the misconception between them and the influence of his miserable infatuation now that the crisis had arrived there rose in his mind a fierce exaltation in the tearing away of secrecy and restraint while more strongly than ever the feeling of personal predominance and revolt against the established order of things made him glory in defying the dictates of society he was not troubled by qualms as to valiancy's proceedings the latter was a cur and a bully and deserved neither fear nor consideration the abstract equity of the question did not weigh on him a prize which one man misuses another has clearly a right to appropriate providing the final intention to be righteous. And, in the moral justice of his determination to marry Mrs. Valancy, Longleat had the fullest confidence. The messenger who had brought the letter had received orders to wait. Longleat dashed off an incoherent reply, promising to respect Connie's wish for solitude for that day at least, but imploring permission to call at Adams after the opening of the house on the morrow. As he was folding up the letter, a thought struck him. And he hastily filled in a cheque for a hundred pounds enclosed it and sealed the envelope with his signet ring upon that morning parliament was to assemble preliminary to the formal opening upon the morrow for the choice of the speaker and afterwards the premier had a political engagement at kuya which would detain him till late that evening when his letter to mrs valency was despatched he washed shaved and changed his clothes presenting when he emerged from his dressing-room more of his old prosperous self-assertive look than he had worn for weeks the consciousness of power was strong within him that day suspense was lulled and he felt confident that political triumph would smile upon him on the morrow he breakfasted alone making an inquiry from the servant after his daughter who was reported to be still sleeping he then hurried off to keep an appointment with one of his colleagues all the morning honoria lay in a darkened room crushed so low with humiliation that it seemed impossible for her ever again to face the light of day her agony was all the keener because in spite of her outraged pride and fierce indignation she could not repress an intense longing to know whether barrington had suffered any injury from the accident which had befallen them the night before she got up and dressed at last but would not quit her chamber and gave orders that she was to be denied to any visitors who might ask for her when about midday maddox called at the bunyas he was told that miss longleat could see no one during the day she was tormented by a restless dread that barrington would seek her presence the fear was groundless he did not come then terror gave place to vague disappointment and disappointment to alarm a terrible dreariness crept over her she longed for the sight of aunt penelope's placid countenance and the sound of her gurgling platitudes even Mr. Ferris's society would not at that moment have been unwelcome. Oh, to take up the old turbid current of her existence, when if boredom was unpleasant, it meant at least safety. She had been launched upon an unknown sea, and her own surging desires and impetuous impulses were the waves in which she had been engulfed. She covered her face with her hands. "'Oh, Dyson, Dyson,' she murmured, I wish we were together again quietly at Corlbin. I think we could be happy now, if he would let me be. But it is too late, and I cannot. I don't know what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do! Suddenly she remembered what, mid her inward excitement, had been quite forgotten: that upon the morrow the new Parliament of Leichardt's Land would be opened, and the Premier's triumph or defeat assured. I cannot be there she exclaimed with passionate horror oh i cannot i cannot there seemed that afternoon an unnatural stillness in the atmosphere which surrounded the bunyas no visitor rang at the door-bell or entered by the garden gate as was the custom of intimate friends the distant sounds which floated down from the parliamentary buildings telling of preparations for the ceremony of the morrow seemed to honoria's excited imagination like presages of doom nor was she alone in her forebodings. Though the appointment of the speaker had gone in favour of the government, even with the outside world auguries of evil were rife. The leader of the opposition had spent part of the morning in earnest conclave with the chiefs of his party. There were, in his manner, signs of exultation which could not be mistaken. Mysterious telegrams had been sent to Western Australia, and still more mysterious replies received early in the day a despatch in cipher had been wired by the ex-attorney-general to a certain lawyer in england in the afternoon middleton and valiancy were seen walking arm-in-arm arm down king street it was whispered that mrs valiancy had fled from her husband's roof and that a terrible revelation of former misdeeds was hanging over the head of the premier but of all those most directly interested in the impending disaster dyson maddox was perhaps least conscious of its imminence or of its real nature his mind was completely occupied with thoughts of honoria of how he could best screen her from the results of her imprudence and prevent the true facts of the case from transpiring he went through his usual routine of work and transacted his official business as though he had been in a dream he was ostensibly occupied with the viceroy's speech but in reality exercising his brain upon the problem of honoria's infatuation for barrington when cornelius cathcart entered the office have you seen or heard anything of miss longleat today he asked eagerly dyson shook his head i called at the bunyas but was told that miss longleat was not well enough to see anyone he replied the blackguard is in a bad way continued cathcart the doctor says it is concussion of the brain i hope he may never recover have you looked at the english papers yet there is in the home news an account of the death of sir lionel barrington and of his two sons this fellow has succeeded to the baronetcy now all leichardt's town is ringing with the news and with the story of the accident of last night though as yet her name has not been mentioned in the affair good god dyson it is a worse business than i thought do you know that they had been together at his lodgings that she was driving away from there with him at two o'clock this morning dyson's lips were grimly set he nodded silently after a pause he said I know it last night in her misery and shame at the insult which had been offered her she told me everything he had acquired an influence over her which to me seems incomprehensible he persuaded her to meet him clandestinely in the gardens he decoyed her to his rooms under pretence of having something important to tell her cathcart remember that she is motherless and that there was no one to teach her the meaning of evil and that d blank d villain played upon her innocence in his poverty he would have married her gladly but in his prosperity he did not deem her worthy to be his wife he dared to propose to her that she should accompany him to england god i could have killed him she is pure as an angel her anguish her outraged pride was terrible to witness do not allude to this again I could have spoken to no one but you, not to you if you had not been with me last night. You know what she was to me, what I must feel. I wonder that I have kept my hands from his throat. You will avoid making a scandal, said Cathcart, that would be fatal. The only safety for her is in hushing the matter up. Yet, he added, sooner or later the affair will be known. These things always leak out it is more than likely that some one recognized her and there are many evil tongues in leichardt's town think if any one but ourselves had been in that cab i am not sure that it would not be wisest to go straight to the premier and make a clean breast of the whole thing he is powerful enough to protect his daughter no said dyson firmly she wishes that her father should be kept in ignorance can you not understand how she would shrink from any disclosure to him at any cost, the affair must be hushed, denied, disproved. Tomorrow she must show herself at the opening as though nothing had happened. And after this week it would be well that she should go away for a time, to Melbourne, or Tasmania. I have thought the matter out. This is the only course. You and I, Corny, must protect her. Cathcart wriggled out of his chair and made a furious onslaught upon the fire. I cannot stand it, he said presently i shall start for barramunda the first thing to-morrow i have been skulking about king street all the morning expecting at each corner to hear her name spoken there is something in the air i see men nudging each other and whispering mysteriously in the hotel verandas. i am told that there is a plot brewing amongst the oppositionists a charge to be brought against the premier when the house meets dyson smiled disdainfully "'They will try to make capital out of Valancy's appointment to Gundaroo. "'We have run the gauntlet of that already. "'If ever there were a man certain of success, it is Longleat. "'But my brain is in a whirl today. "'I cannot think of political matters. "'I have to see little at three. "'It is that time now.' "'You will be at the dinner tonight?' said Cathcart. "'Yes. "'We must both be there, ready to give the lie "'if Honoria is mentioned in connection with last night's occurrence.' There is a rumour afloat that Mrs. Valancy has run away with the Premier. Pshaw, replied Dyson. At this moment Longleat is addressing a meeting of navvies at Kouya. "'You don't believe in that scandal, then?' "'It is too obvious to be doubted,' replied Dyson shortly. "'That is little snock. I will say good-bye for the present. We shall meet this evening.' Cathcart withdrew, and the Attorney-General entered. End of chapter 37 Read by Céline Major.